going to the church and talking to people that walk with God and love God, it, that should be the safest place. And many times that is the most cruel and condemning. Hi, welcome once again to the Gary Wilkson Podcast. Honored and thrilled to have you here with us today. Important episode as we discuss what's happening in the church today in relationship to people and the problems that they're facing. Some might call it mental health issues. Some call it uh, the need of a pastoral care. Some have call, call it uh, just some emotional problems, some psychological difficulties that we might be facing. And the question is, is the church equipped to handle some of these things? Now, we know, obviously, that the church can't handle every uh, mental health issue but can it handle the basic ones of our family life, of our personal life, of our need? That's what we're going to be looking at today in this episode of the Gary Wilson Podcast. The, the host today will be my friend, Dr. Mark Mayfield. Um, he's a clinical therapist, a former pastor, true man of God, a man of prayer, a man of hope, a man who wants to really help people. Along with Dr. Mark Mayfield is my wife, Kelly Wilkerson. Uh, she's one of the great uh, joys of my life. Uh, mother of our four children and nine grandchildren, and uh, she's going to be talking about partly about the role of the church in mental health, her years of experience in the church. Along with her is one of our dearest friends, Dr. Deanne Ward. Deanne has uh, been through some difficulties. Uh, she'll be sharing that in another episode, but uh, she's also the head of a ministry called My Hope, and it is a great place for you to get uh, practical help if you're suffering some difficulties in, in your life. They're going to be talking today about some key issues, how the church can handle mental health issues, how the church can handle soul issues, heart issues, deep things that we're going through. Listen carefully. You're going to see some good things, hear some good things. God bless you. Well, this is uh, kind of fun. I'm sitting on this side of the table. Uh, Gary usually sits over here. So uh, it's fun to have the two of you here to talk about something that's really important. Um, and so just want to put that out there that if you're driving, it might be good to like pull over or, you know, push pause and come back to this uh, when you're at your home. Because uh, this is the conversation that we've been needing to have uh, in the church for a long time. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, um, I would love to have my guests introduce themselves. So Kelly, I'd have you go first. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Kelly Wilkerson. I am married to Gary Wilkerson. And uh, Gary and I have been a part of the World Challenge ministry for 43 years now. And yeah, it's awesome privilege to be sitting here next to my dear friend, Deanne, and across from you and to talk about what we're going to talk about today. So thank you for having me. I want to say thank you for having me. I'm going to say thank you for having me. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thank no, you no, for no. having me. <laughs> no, no, this is great. And Deanne. Hi, I'm Deanne Ward, and my husband and I have been in full-time ministry together for 40 years and um, seen a lot of things, experienced a lot of things, and had the blessing to minister to people, be ministered to by different organizations, have traveled with Gary and Kelly as a couple, individuals, and um, yeah, I'm excited about today's conversation. You guys have been friends for 40 years, right? I yes. Mean, yes. This is, this I is met time. Kelly before Matthew and I were married, That's awesome. and Matthew and Gary were friends before they were married. Okay. So we go way, way back. Way back. Lots, yeah. lots and lots of history. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. I know this is... This has been a process for you both to be able to come sit at this table. And so I really right. am grateful for for that in this conversation. It's not an easy conversation to have. Right. Uh, it's a necessary one. And so, yes. um, you know, I'm not going to speak for you. I'm just going to throw some questions out and we'll just have uh, just have some conversations. But, um, 
you know, mental health and the church, addiction and the church have been things that have been really taboo in in topics. I think the church doesn't, for some reason, and we can get to that maybe later, doesn't want to touch this conversation, mm-hmm. whether it be for fear or from stigma or from misunderstanding. Um, but what has been your experience with mental health and, and addiction in your family? And, you know, and I think, you know, I'd love to hear your stories uh, as, as, as little or as much as you'd like to share. Um, and and just kind of begin the the conversation around uh, why we're having this conversation. For Gary and I, for our family, um, because it is a family situation, it's not just one individual in, that you care about that is walking through a struggle. It's been addiction. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think the church, I, I think there's tons of fear. Mm-hmm. I think... There is a religious spirit and a legalism that kind of takes hold and says, you have a problem, you're not praying hard enough, Mm -hmm. you have a sickness, uh, God is punishing you. And so that, I mean, that is so damaging and shaming. Mm -hmm. Um, It just leaves you out in the cold. I mean, there's no way that the safest place on earth and going to the church and talking to people that walk with God and love God, it that should be the safest place. Absolutely. And many times that is the most cruel and condemning. And so it's, you know, you're kind of stuck out in the cold. Mm. And if you dare to share, mm-hmm. um, then there's... I don't know, it just feels like the gossips come out of the woodwork and the judgment is heaped on. And and obviously I'm not saying like always and it's never right. or things like that, but it's the norm. Well, and it's been – and you're speaking from your experience. Right. right? So Personal we, we, experience. Yeah. And yeah. I, I appreciate you bringing up the, the term religious spirit because I think there comes such a legalism with that when it comes to these conversations. It's interesting because I've heard this not just with this topic, but with other things that people struggle with. Like we should be able to go to the church and we can't because right. of our fear. Right. But I feel like it's even m- more so with mental health and addiction. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, there's such a longing to be embraced mm-hmm. and we're made for community and yeah. you want people to walk alongside you. Absolutely. And that nothing of that happens, you know. Right. You're um, ignored right. or belittled or judged. Mm-hmm. So it's very frightening. Okay. It's yeah. very frightening to face. I'll come back to a question I have later uh, sure. on that. So, okay. Deanne, what about you? Um, for us, it was personal and family as well. And I didn't understand addiction mm. when it first entered into our family on a personal right. level. I was just kind of like everybody else. We're very well intending, but going, just stop. Right. You know, just just try harder. Just right. stop. You know, if you just, pray, you know, let's pray, let's focus, let's take a walk. I didn't understand the questions behind the question, mm-hmm. which is also the behavior behind the behavior. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking before we started, people don't start with addiction. Right. They There's usually a stair step. There's usually some anxiety. Mm-hmm. from some issue that they can't control or they can't get um, a handle on, then it can go into depression, mm-hmm. then it can go into addiction. Mm-hmm. And then the addiction normally 
nine times out of 10 is going to lead to grief and loss from the loss of a family, the loss of a job, the loss of friends that you care about. And you know what? Those are the places where there, there should, like Kelly said, the church should be the safest place to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's um, David, her father-in-law, wrote an article after 9-11. There were 42% more people in church after 9-11 right. looking for hope, looking for answers. And then months down the road, there were less people in church than there were before 9-11 because the people that were in church became disillusioned. Right. People who went looking for hope didn't find hope, were just not prepared. And I, there were people that entered my daughter's life that I know I trust with my whole heart they were well intending, mm-hmm. but they didn't. They didn't do the research. I mean, I've had a family member say, "Do you think some of the issues can be demonic?" Yes, they can. Do you think it can be oppression? Yes. Do I think it could be a chemical imbalance? Yes. But before we start just throwing out an easy answer that lets us do this sure. and walk away, mm-hmm. why don't we do some research? Yep. What is our bo- how does our body respond to things outside of our control? Mm-hmm. How does our brain shut down outside of our control mm-hmm. when we put things in it? I mean, if I eat too much sugar, I'm nauseated. Right. You know, it was Kelly who taught me that she, when she learned that, you know, alcohol actually kill, doesn't just kill your brain cells. It rewires pathways in your brain. I'd never heard that. Yeah. But I didn't hear it because I didn't need to know. Well, if you're going to be a caregiver, and I think everybody that calls themselves a believer of Jesus and a disciple should be a caregiver to some level. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us are going to, you know, be the encouragement to the people who are called to the suicide victim. But be educated to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. And right now there's so many things out there and so many resources that are free. I just – and it, I'm scared to death right now for the church at large. Mm-hmm. COVID has actually exposed these numbers. Mm-hmm. Mental health is everywhere. And if a pastor goes, well, we don't have those issues in our church. We don't have addiction. We don't have anxiety. We don't have, okay. well, what, you have a church of two? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, yeah. I don't see how that's even possible. But it's been the bridge to educate people the difference between mental health and mental illness. I didn't know the difference on that either. Right. Mental illness, no, you need a professional. Yep. Don't go to the church for that. Go to the church for your support, for your Bible study, but get professional help. As far as mental health goes, we want the church to be the healthy place where when you come, you feel better than when you got there. Right. Yeah. You know, Matt, um, I mean, we've all heard the verse, you know, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Hmm. Sometimes you can't. Well, sometimes it's That's out a, of context. It's, it's totally out of context. <laughs> yes. And, you know, but we're so quick to quote scriptures. Yes. And this is what I've learned in the last few years. I'm tired of the Bible being used as a weapon. Yep. It's not supposed to be used against me. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to educate me and woo me closer and deeper in my relationship with the Lord and in those around me. Yeah. And it's your weapon against the, the enemy. enemy right. Not each other. Uh, not each other. Yeah. That's well, a really good point. And that's where I, I was kind of curious as you as you both kind of walked through um, the journey of supporting a family member that that was uh, struggling with mental health and, and addiction. Let's talk. I, you know, I don't want to throw the church under the bus, but I think we need to expose some of the areas that were not helpful. Like, so let's talk about first where the church, where was the church not helpful uh, in those areas, and where could they have been more helpful uh, in walking with and alongside. Right. I, I was uneducated. Okay. I mean, as a pastor of a church, mm-hmm. I myself was uneducated, mm. you know, and I, I think just growing up, just thinking, you know, you just bootstrap it right? and you wait on God 
and you trust the Lord. And, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's like that, those scriptures, um, they just became like bumper stickers and plaques mm. that you would put. That's a good visual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on your kitchen or on your in your car. Right. You know, and it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because there was no there was no authority behind it. There was no power to it. And um, so I know for myself as a pastor, mm-hmm. I was part of the problem okay. because I was not educated. Mm. You know, when you say educated, I appreciate that that uh, comment. Like but when you say uneducated, can you kind of expand on what you mean by that? It's just because well, I think not... a lot of people are thinking. Yeah, well, sure. I'm educated, you know. I, yeah, I, but I went to college. I went no. to co- yeah, right, <laughs> right, yeah. But I'm talking about things at the heart. Okay. So, um, and uh, guess what, Gary and I have been delving into more is story work. Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what's my story mm-hmm. and the different chapters of it, mm-hmm. and and until I'm ready to look at that mm-hmm. and see how that relates to me relating to other people, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to be willing to actually connect with them. Yeah. Or a, a new word for us is attuned to them mm-hmm. and hear their story and have that place of drawing out, mm-hmm. you know? And so if there's deep waters there mm-hmm. and the wise man, you know, stirs it up and draws that mm-hmm. out... It's not going to happen. And so I'm going to stay in a place where I'm just still tripping over the same things that mm-hmm. I've lived out in my life until I let the Lord of glory touch those places in my heart. Mm-hmm. And so uneducated in the sense that I didn't know that that was necessary. Okay. You know, I, I was just... Um, listening to something this morning, and he brought up Jeremiah 6, 13, and he says, um, the prophets and the priests from everybody, they're dealing falsely with the wounds of God's people. Mm. They're dealing falsely with it. So it's just kind of like, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And but God won't give you anything more than you can handle, <laughs> that's which is right. totally and, just like totally and, misrepresented. And yeah. And that I'm not trying to belittle that the word of God is right. alive yes. and it's active and it pierces to the thought and the intent of the heart. What I'm saying is that myself, I didn't have the place or the authority or the grounding to apply that. Mm-hmm. To my story. Mm-hmm. And so when I learn to apply that to my story, then I can address the wounds and the trauma of someone else mm-hmm. and not deal with that falsely. Um, in the Amplified, I, it's neglectfully, lightly trying to deal with wounds of the people. Mm. So we just kind of and, gloss over them yeah. or push them aside. Or... And, and and God is saying it's the prophets and the priests, the leaders of the church are doing this. Right. And I'm not talking about navel-gazing and being so self-absorbed, you know, because we're supposed to lay down our life. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to, you know, go to the cross and become like Christ. We're supposed to bear his image. Mm-hmm. And I cannot bear his image if I'm not going to be truthful to myself or God, like where I'm living. Right. And how I'm addressing things. And, you know, like our, we had a stillborn baby Mm. in 86. Mm. And for 12 years, I was angry at God. Had not a clue. 
I was not in touch with that emotion because mm-hmm. Christian, they just, they're not supposed to be mad at God. Right. He's God. And how dare you, right. you know, but God loved me so much that he allowed me to live through that process. And mm-hmm. and then when I was ready, he, he could say like, Kelly, don't you see how you're holding me in contempt mm-hmm. for the loss of this baby? Mm-hmm. And you know, so when he when he showed me, it was like, oh, right, I'm so sorry, yeah. you know. And then I could repent, mm-hmm. and he could touch that place. So I'm hearing two things in what you're saying, and I think they're really powerful. Like one of them is the the attunement, you know, attunement to ourselves right. and our stories, right, and how they've shaped us, and how we see the world around us and God. But I think the word attunement, it, it really it it gives me this clear picture of like we're we're narrow. We're 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 focused. Right. Uh, we're tuning out kind of the, the the static around us that isn't important, and we're focusing. But then when we're talking about sitting with other people, right. I love that picture. I might steal it actually, <laughs> because because it's it's just a beautiful thing of going. I don't know when I struggle with mental illness in my own life. Um, I remember people in the church would not be attuned. They would be distracted. They would be you know, looking five feet past me, they would be, uh-huh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah. You know, and the attunement piece goes, uh, like, it, it gave that picture of, like, like this is all that matters right now, you know, and, and I'm yeah. going to be there. Even if it's for five minutes, you are all that matters right now. Mm-hmm. And even if I walk away and, and I don't remember fully, I've given you my full attention. Right. I mean, that's something that you don't have to go to school for. Yes. Right? That's yeah. something that you can, like, it's we can just... practice and, 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 and be with. Right. But we don't do that well. No. You know? No, so I, I, I love don't, that. I don't think so. I know that I didn't do it well. Right. And, of course, we're not, if I'm not willing to do work on my story, there's no way that I can draw a story out right. of anyone else. Yeah. And. That's powerful. I love that. And, Deanne, what, what, what about your experience? I mean, so, Tuck. Similar, different, you know, I mean, uh, as far as where was the church helpful? Where was it not helpful? Um, You know what? There were a couple ladies that came along and really did help my son-in-law through that process. Mm -hmm. But I think we also, I'll just speak real bluntly. I think there's some, like I ever hold back. But I think there's a couple times where I've seen people who give and give and give and they want to be there. But then they burn out because they've been manipulated. Yes. And so I think a lot of times those we do have the Mar- Marthas and the Marys, and we mm-hmm. do have people that are that are called to do those things. And I think if we could just maybe, I don't know, get a few more in our churches and get a few more in the Bible studies, or so it's not. What I'm, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say when I do see caregivers step up in a church, even if it's a church of two hundred, it's maybe one or two people. Right. And then they burn out. Yep. And then they feel guilty because they're resentful. Mm-hmm. And they have anxiety because yeah. they can't make the casserole for the woman who had the baby and they can't get the cookies to the Bible study and they've got their kids and they've got this. And it's the word is very clear about taking time for ourselves. Mm. And that was the biggest lesson for me to learn on the other side was that self-care is not selfish. Right. And it just sounds so glorious and relaxing to just, I'm just going to go away and get in the Word, or that sounds like an indulgence. Like, well, who has time for that? Right. You have to make time for that. Right. If you don't make time for that, you won't be able to stand up when it's just something that's thrown at you mm. and not 
something that's deeply rooted, Mm -hmm. but an obstacle Mm -hmm. instead of a ditch. Right. Because we have both of those in our lives all the time. We're going to have bumps. We're going to hit a ditch. We're going to fall off a cliff. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all different. And there's different needs for those instances. Yeah. If I go off a cliff, I need everybody I know. To come in and. To come in and to pray and to be aware and go, okay, so, you know, help. Okay, so I think. I'm going to ask a very blunt question, and I think this first, I think we'll probably break this up into two episodes because I think this is a really good conversation, and I think what I'd like to do next episode is talk about just talking to parents and talking to moms and dads and and aunts and uncles and grandparents about how to really take care of themselves in this. So let's let's stay focused on the church for a minute. Okay. Um, Can I interrupt? Yes, Because I know they can edit this. Yeah. So addressing where the church failed us and where the church helped us, I don't want to say the church failed. I want to say the church wasn't prepared, which is okay. a completely, completely different thing. Yes. Right. And I do think there, because there's awareness now, there's trainings out there, there's yeah. stuff online, there's Gary's podcast, there's newsletters, there's your stuff. You know, I want to encourage people to not go, why are we even trying? I want people to leave this going, Yes. I want to learn more. Yeah. I want to be able to be that caregiver to my neighbor, right. the teacher that my kids have at preschool. Right. You know, I want people to leave this with more than anything of I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I need to look into it because I will cross paths with somebody who's going to struggle with mental health. You will. Yeah. Yes. Right. If you're breathing, mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to yeah. cross paths with somebody. And yeah. it's okay for us to share. Hey, I'm struggling right now. Right. But here's the one thing that I'm trying to be very intentional on. When we circle the corner and you come out the other side, mm-hmm. to also circle back to those people who were there with us mm-hmm. and say, thank you. Right. I'm where I am because you did make me go to dinner. Right. I am where I am because you did make me get out of the house. Well, I think that the, gives us the energy to keep going too. To go, oh, right. Thanks for closing the loop. Well, I, I think that's a it's a huge a it's a huge uh, clarification, which I think is important because I think a lot of times we can easily throw the church under the bus. Like you failed, you didn't, you know, we're humans. Yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna upset people. We're gonna let people down. We're gonna fail. Yeah. But I think it's the opportunity for growth that is really important. And I think this is where I really want to equip the church. And I know you and Gary do, I know you do. Yeah. And right. I do, right? We want to equip the church to yeah. go, let's limit let's let's mitigate these failures as best as possibly can, knowing that they're going to happen and knowing yeah. that we'll have, you know, grace there. Right. But let's do our best to really mitigate that. And I think, so, okay, let me ask this question then. What what do you feel like is, when, when you were going through what you guys were going through and you were attempting to engage engage the church, what were some of those barriers that were that were hard to break through? Because if we have a pastor, listen, we're going to have pastors listening. So as we have pastors listening, you know, what kind of barriers do you want them to be thinking about that might be there, whether it be psychological barriers, emotional barriers, uh, programmatic barriers, you know, things that they didn't do intentionally, but were barriers to receiving the support and the help that, that you guys needed? Or intentional. It could be intentional, too. How many times yeah. have we known someone who, if you don't understand their behavior or they're acting mm-hmm. out or they might come in if you come to church drunk or whatever, I mean— I've seen people ask to leave. Yes. Versus, hey, come sit next to me and let's. Yeah, or not yeah. even that. I mean, can you have an usher sit with him in yeah. the back? Sure. You know, get him some water. Right. You know, let's do some practical things. Coffee, so we're Let's, let's yeah. not put him back in a right. car. Right. Let's not shame them. Yep. 
Let's get them some water. Let's know that they're safe. And then when church is over, then there's got to be somebody that you can call. You can call 911. They might be better at that point, but they felt safe. Mm-hmm. And you made the community safe because you actually let them stay when they were at their worst of the worst. You provided a safe place for them. You modeled it. You modeled it. And I don't see that very often. No. I see that, "Mm, mm, mm-mm-mm, you know. Come put together and we'll be okay. But if you're not put together, then... You're you're in counseling and you have some addiction issues. We're just not sure it's good for you to be at church today around other people. You could be a negative influence. Well, then how... Where else are we going to be? How shallow (laughs) is your church? Right. But but that but I think that is the consumer Christian mentality yes. right now that that we are not triage units. You and I use that term all the time yeah. when we're talking about stuff at my hope is that we want to be how do we create churches to be the best triage units? Mm-hmm. Right. Well that's gonna really upset people that are coming because they wanna have every all their ducks in a row. So so okay, that was an intentional barrier. So what are those intentional, unintentional like how are we why why are we keeping the culture and again, Big C Church, there's a lot of churches out there that are listening that are like, we do this well. Great. Right. Um, you know, listen, and then how do we help our other community members do the same thing? But what are those things that are um, keeping us status quo? Well, I just talked about something intentional, and then I have something just popped in my mind that was unintentional that happened at the church that they were pastoring. Mm-hmm. There was a gentleman who became very belligerent. He's acting, and he'd been volunteering. Mm-hmm. He had been in one of the programs. We knew him, and this Sunday he's, his behavior is completely different. Yeah, He's a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And so the first response of a couple of the – Ushers who just didn't know were like, well, we need to call 911 or we need to call the police. He's violent. He's aggressive. And I said, well, let me go talk to him. And when you talk, when you can calmly, you know, basic things, stay calm. Right. Don't make them think you're reacting or there's going to be a consequence. Or a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Lower your voice. And we talked a while. And I mean, not that I had the magic bullet because he did lay down on the floor, cross his arms, and I'm not going anywhere. I said, that's okay. Well, then I'll just sit here with you for a while. Mm. Someone else fortunately had the wherewithal to call his wife, mm-hmm. say he's acting out of character. Is there anything we need to know? And she starts crying and says, well, he quit taking his meds. The fact that we called her and said, we are so sorry. Yeah. What can we do for you? We know right. what to do for him now. What do we do for you? Right. And able to get him the right care. He's not embarrassed. Right. He got the help. And then she came back to church. Because it was just a matter of just slowing down enough to go, this is not normal behavior for this person. Mm. Right. And that's yeah. what we want to do. We just, if they have abnormal behavior, I think it's easy to just go, they must be having a bad day. Me too. See you later. But I think the, I think the big part is that we don't, this is where I think the church is, is lacking, is they, the education piece, right? They don't know what to look for. Right. They don't know what kind of questions to ask. And then they don't have a two to three step process of, okay, if this happens, we, we don't escalate it. We let him sit on the floor. We sit with him. We yeah. call, you know, somebody. We have somebody on the, you know, they call somebody that can come and help. We under get the bigger picture. Right. We react, and I think that's what I'm hearing from the both of you, and, and just my passion too. Of how do we equip the church to to make better decisions around in the moment things, you know, and know what to look for for you know, depression, anxiety, uh, suicidality, homicidality, you know, all those kinds of things that we're, we don't want to touch with the 10 foot pole. We should be. Right. And we should be doing it in it well. And then we should be, you know, uh, building those resources around us. So I love that example. I just don't think that's common 
common sense. But it can, but it can be if we slow down. Okay, talk more about that. I mean, if you're in such a hurry to get to the next thing, and you see somebody in crisis, mm-hmm. um, human nature is to keep going. Yeah. Because our first thing is self-preservation, mm-hmm. or I'm not self-preservation, followed by I'm not equipped. Yeah. Not my not my problem because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. But the first thing is slow down and listen because here's here's what I know that I know that I know. Mm. I've been in ministry long enough. I've walked with the Lord long enough that when I don't know and I slow down and quiet myself mm. long enough to go, God, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? He has never failed to give me an answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He wants us to be there for one another. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what to do, if you ha- just stop and go, okay, God, what do we do? Mm. He's faithful to tell us what to do. Yeah. And it typically won't be throwing a passage of scripture at somebody. No. No. It'll be sitting with them, yeah. listening, asking good questions. Yeah. Loving on them. You know, this is I think this is really good conversation. I think if I was listening, I might be going, Okay, this is a great philosophical conversation. This is a great practical conversation. You know, yeah. but how do we make it actionable? And, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll continue the conversation, you know, in, in more depth in the next episode. But like as far as like what what does the church do, you know, because I know, you know, Gary's got and you have a lot of great uh, pastors and, and followers on this podcast that are in in the thick of it and they're and they're listening weekly and they're wanting to implement these things and that kind of stuff. So, you know, what would be some practical ideas from a story perspective, from a from a pastoral perspective, from a, a ministry perspective, like what do we what do we do now? Okay, like yes, everything we're saying we want to have in our congregation, we want to have in our church. Right. But we don't know. It, like it's more overwhelming to go, where do we start? How do we start? Where do we begin? You know, what would what would be some good advice, some practical advice that you both would give? Well, I guess um for me it's helped it's helped me to seek out things that help to draw a story out of me. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's some great resources. I mean, mm-hmm. you have great material that you can offer people. Mm-hmm. Mark Mayfield, <laughs> Mayfield Counseling, and um, Adam Young yep. has uh, Dan Allender, yep. you know, so there, and I think... John um, Eldridge. Yes, John Eldridge. So there's, um, there's materials there mm-hmm. to introduce story work to people. It was like, if you take a hypothetical that a a young man, a young woman, they decide that they want to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. So they want to be a pastor, not because God called them to be, but it looks good. Sure. You know, people need them. They they love solving problems. Needs are being met through. Right. Yeah. The person's needs are being met through serving and yeah. having a following. Yep. And so that that's so upside down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're supposed to give their life for mm-hmm. them. And they're supposed to be serving the people that they're caring for, but they can't if they don't know like what drives them right. and motivates them to right. do the things that they're doing. Right. So I I just as a resource I I would encourage leaders, ministry mm-hmm. leaders, pastors to do story work. I know we could probably put some some resources in the show notes for, okay. for people, yeah. links and that kind of stuff, That'd which will be, be awesome. great. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is is really important, and I tell this to a lot of people that I work with, is um, 
you can't go any farther with somebody than you've gone yourself. Absolutely. Now, I'm not saying you have to go through the exact same thing. You yeah. don't have to have, because that's not realistic. Right. But yeah. it's how far have I gone in my own journey? Right. You know, how far have I looked inward? Right. <laughs> how far have I looked upward? How far right. have I looked, you know, all these kinds of things, right? And it's, so I think as, as a pastor that's listening, the first step would be to just evaluate your own your own self. Right. Because I think a lot of times as the pastor goes, so goes the congregation. Let's just be really honest, right? I mean that exactly. that's that's yeah. a that's a it's a hard statement, I think, sometimes. But when we see churches thriving, it's a lot of because of the leadership and the vulnerability of the pastor. And when we show right. churches that aren't, right. and they could be huge mega churches and they're yeah. not thriving right. because of the way leadership is. So it's yeah. it's look inward. And I think then what I've learned from you and Gary a lot, you speak from that vulnerability, mm-hmm. you speak from that experience, um, you know, with boundaries, obviously, but right. you speak from those pieces and, and that's contagious, oh. right? Yep. And I think that's a beautiful picture uh, versus, I think all of everybody wants a step one, step two, step three, I could check the box. Yeah. And that... You meet. I always Life tell people. Is messy. You, yeah, you meet one person <laughs> with an addiction. You meet one person with an addiction. Right. You meet one person with depression. One person. You know. So it's. Yeah. There's no formula, which can be scary for a church. But I love right. that that picture. What 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 about you, Deanne, As far as you know, if I could encourage pastors, I would say um, find one or two people that you can be completely mm. vulnerable with. As a pastor. Yes. That's scary. Without judgment. Okay. So you're gonna have to pick them carefully. Yes. And then the flip side of that is if you're listening and you're. Um, and you want to be that person, be that person. Right. Be that person that people, when they come to you, they know you're not going to share their story. Mm-hmm. You're not going to judge them. Yep. You're not going to give them an answer. You're going to be able to listen and just let them do it. And those relationships grow. I mean, we have that with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can tell me anything. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> right. You know, and she can advise. It's not, uh, oh, gosh, how did that happen? We live in a broken sinful world. Yes. You forget that part. Yep. Broken sinful world. But if we have relationships where I can just go, I don't need you to fix it. Yep. And I don't need a scripture verse. Yep. I just need to know that I can process with you safely. Without you looking at me sideways or yes. wanting to run the opposite direction. Yes. Or, yeah. There was a book that Harvard did years ago about counselors and the need and the uprising mm-hmm. and the numbers of increasing all the time. Well, you're a professor. You know this. Yes. Graduate so many years. They said if people had one to two friends that they trusted 100%, yep. walked through life with, without judgment, counselors wouldn't have a job. And that's the goal. It is the goal, <laughs> and, it is, and it's true. I tell my students that all the time. Like, yeah. hey, if if let's how do we equip and empower the church to do this well? Because if we did, we'd be out of a job. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to have a degree. I mean, we have talked about researching and being yes. educated. Informed, yeah. yeah, informed. But there's, it's yeah. also just as important to be empathetic, to listen without judgment, and to not feel like we have to fix them. Right. My Women have my DNA, mm-hmm. and I know Kelly's, mm-hmm. we're nurturers, we're fixers. We want to hear about it, go back and research it, and come back and give you the answer because right. we want you whole. Yeah. Not fixed. But whole. Because if it's fixed, it can be broken. Right. But whole. I like that. Well, I, and I think that that is such an important reminder that you don't need to, you know, with, with severe and persistent mental illness, with severe addiction, yes, you need, like, education. Yeah. Let's just call it that. 
But for people that are struggling, for caregivers that are struggling, for parents that are right. struggling, for you know uh, situational depression, depression, anxiety, that kind of stuff, uh, I always I joke. I said the secret is unconditional positive regard, no judgment, empathy. You don't fix, you just listen. Yeah. And our presence, the way God designed us is that our presence actually doesn't fully reach its potential unless we're in a trusting relationship with somebody else. So our mm -hmm. brain is not functioning the way it needs to right. unless we're a trusting, safe relationship. Right. Think about how many people's brains are not in alignment with the way God designed it because right. we don't have that one or two people. Right. I think Gary talks about this, right? Of, of mm -hmm. Somebody asked him once about, you know, are there five people that you can trust, you know, call and trust implicitly, you know? And, and when he said that uh, a couple months ago, I'm like, oh, do I have that? Like, it's just a good reminder. Yeah. And I do, yeah. which is great. But it was just like a, taking stock of that. Right. How many pastors don't? Don't, yeah. How many pastors, they don't feel safe. How many pastor spouses mm -hmm. don't, yeah. right? Because they don't feel safe. And that's where I love the work that we're doing with My Hope Global yeah. and having that Christian Counselor Network is sometimes it, it's, a, it's a paid friend for the time being right. that that takes that first person. Yeah. And if they're a good paid friend, if they're a good counselor, they're going to go, okay, we need to take me off the list mm -hmm. and we need to add five people outside of here right. that can get you, you can get to a safe place. But sometimes a paid friend, I love Irving Yalom is a, a um, amazing uh, therapist. He's in his eighties and still sees clients and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But he always says, sometimes what we need is just a, a safe paid friend and, and for a time being. And yeah. so I think getting past the stigma for pastors too is a big deal. Right. But so just to, as we wrap this one up, just to take away is that I think it's, it's important for us to understand uh, just how much our presence affects those that we lead. Right. Um, and so where the church has been missing the mark or where they've been, they've been maybe hurtful at times mm -hmm. uh, is it's, it's, Maybe not intentional. Maybe maybe ninety five percent of the time it's not intentional. It's just right. Um, no, I don't think it's malicious. No, no, it's well intended. It's yeah. well intended. It's just I think it's just misinformed. Right. I don't like using the word ignorant, but I think in some ways there's some ignorance there right. of I just don't know th that I don't know. Right. And so how do we help educate? Right. Um, or I'm too busy to know. Or I'm too busy to yeah. know. Or I'm putting priority on things that maybe aren't. Right. what they should be yeah. prioritized. I think we fall short of understanding the power of the ministry of presence. Yes, amen to and that. And how much it ministers to somebody when you're just there with them. Yep. I mean, Matthew's quoted, he's like, we're, we're my three friends like Job that'll just sit here and not say anything. Right. We're a society that wants to give you the book, yep. send you a podcast and fix it. And that's fine too. But there's times where you just have to be there and you don't have to have the answers. Just show up, be there, sit with them. Yeah. yeah Minister a, through showing up in the It's not an either present. or. It's yeah. a both and. Yeah. Yeah. Well, compassion is coming into the pain of the other person. Yes. Right. And um, this morning in my devotions, um, it was uh, 1 Corinthians 1, two, 1 through 3. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so I, I just saw it in a whole different light today, you know, because it talks about like if I can speak every language. Mm -hmm. And so like what are some of the languages of the heart? that maybe my children were going through while they were in addiction, mm -hmm. that I was not 
aware of. Right. Or even if I could speak that language, yep. but I wasn't loving them, mm. it would just have been so irritating to them. It just would have been that right. gong and that right. symbol. And so it just goes, you know, if you can prophesy and you have all of God's wisdom and you, and I can see, I can see way into the future and I can say, hey, like, this is going to, this is for you and that's right. for you and this is going to happen, but I don't love them. There's no point. There's no point. And yeah. even to have that faith to move mountains in the situation, in the addiction, mm. in the brokenness, mm. in the woundedness, but I'm not loving. Yeah. It's not going to be one thing. Man, that's a one m- thing. message for our society right now, isn't it? Yeah. That love covers all. And it's it's the foundation. Right. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ.